Well, he- hello everyone. Um, welcome to the To Be Frank podcast. So, this is our first episode of the podcast, and um, we'll do we'll introduce you guys to who we actually are, what we do in a second. Um, but basically, we're not exactly sure what the podcast is going to be about, um, but we have a rough idea. Like, we want this to be a place where we kind of discuss things that we find intriguing. Um, anything to add on that front, Jason? Yeah, things things that you. Uh might not necessarily hear about in mainstream entertainment or news or whatever, or maybe some things you will. We just talk about that, give our thoughts on all that, uh, just discuss it, and just just chill, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty like, I don't know, we, we don't want it to be super like structured, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it actually ends up being, because I mean, this is episode one, so like... Like, I have my own podcast, which is different, and that thing at the start was super different to what it is now, so I think that will change. This will change as we do it. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll evolve, and we hope that if you're listening now, you'll you'll stick with us as we change. Yeah, yeah. So see we'll where it. things go. Yeah. Um, so, should we introduce ourselves? Um, should, I, should I go first? Yeah. Um, so, I'm James. Um, I live in... James Walsham. I live in New Zealand. We both live in New Zealand. Um lived here my whole life um basically like 22 22 years old so still a young man um i'm studying exercise science i'm hoping to do my master's next year um because i want to solve diabetes (laughs) pretty much (laughs) like yeah i also run another podcast called the hypertrophy hub podcast um it's basically like about gaining muscle so like i'm a total nerd for gaining muscle it's like my number one thing because i think it can be used to improve healthcare um in general um but there's a lot of barriers to that and maybe we'll get into that at some point um but yeah it's it's something that i probably am going to dedicate the rest of my life to kind of thing um but we'll see all right well my name's uh, jason malone i i also live in new zealand lived here my whole life i'm 23 so kind of getting old um, but not quite old just yet. I studied history at university for four years. I got an honours degree. Um, I was going to go into do a master's, but decided at the kind of kind of the last minute to not do that and pursue a career as a fiction author, which I've been doing for this year. I've been working on my writing, written a whole book. I'm, I've started my second novel, and I plan to publish those early next year. I've also written over 20 short stories, which um, I've published for free on my website. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a writer, trying to be one at least, and mm. now I guess I'm a podcaster. Yeah, yeah that, I guess that, that thing you just said kind of touches on one of the things we might talk about later, like the fact that like, I guess now I'm a podcaster, it's like, you know, it's okay to identify as that um, yeah. thing. Like, because it's like, like, do you consider yourself an author now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not making, I'm, I'm making nothing from my writing as of now. Um, but I mean, I wasn't anticipating I would at this stage. It was more an investment of time. But hmm. I still identify as a writer, as an author, because I have published a lot of hmm. writing um, in a year. It's, it's about two books worth of short stories. Okay. Um, and although that's all free, I, I'm still the author of those stories, and mm. so I consider myself an author. But it's um, still a collection of work that's yeah. high quality that you're proud yeah. of. It's like, yeah. I also think it's important if you're trying to 
make this a long-term type of thing if you're trying to pursue a career in something like this yeah. it's it's good to identify as that thing even before you start making yeah. money in it and all that because it kind of it gives you that motivation it it gets you into that mindset that when when i sit down to write for example i'm i'm doing so as an author i'm not doing mm. so as an amateur you know yeah and so it completely changes your mindset so yeah, yeah I, I definitely identify as yeah. author and now I identify as a podcaster because yeah. I sat down and even though we're about five minutes in, started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I think I was telling you last weekend about the War of Art yeah, book yeah. by Stephen Pressfield. It's like, it kind of goes along that line. It's like, it, it, as long as you identify yourself as an amateur, it's like, you know, and it's like, you might not actually be pro. Like, for mm. instance, I, I consider myself a bodybuilder, but like, I'm not going to compete anytime soon. Yeah. And it's like, but I, I, the moment I started considering my, considering myself a bodybuilder, it's like all my habits around bodybuilding got way better. So it's yeah. like I was eating my meals consistently, going to the gym consistently, doing everything right. And it's like, yeah, that identity kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's pretty important. Yeah. Um, and like it gets me up in the morning sometimes. Like I, I wake up and if I might want to sleep in, hmm. I'll be like, oh no, I'm an author now. This is, this is my work. I need to get up and um, start writing or editing or whatever it, it mm. completely changes the mindset i think if you consider yourself an amateur you're gonna always be an amateur mm. you 100%. need to kind of start identifying as the thing as an artist as a creator as a writer as a mm. bodybuilder whatever yeah. but i guess there's always like the balancing act of like imposter syndrome on the other end of that because yeah. it's like and i don't know i don't know if there's a level of imposter syndrome that's kind of useful like for instance like if you feel like a bit of an imposter maybe you'll upskill to yeah. get less of that possibly yeah i mean that's kind of been my experience somewhat um or like i i identify as an author but sometimes like i'll compare myself to people like jk mm. rowling george martin all yeah. them um or just average authors who just make a decent living mm. off of it or whatever um and like you do kind of get a bit of imposter syndrome you feel like you're not you're not one of them you're not mm. like them um, but it does it does help me to sometimes be like okay well if I want to be like them I, them I have to keep on doing it mm. although at other in other times it can be a bit disheartening yeah but I think that's just part of the journey yeah yeah I completely agree like I remember when I first started getting into like fitness podcasting specifically like I had my idols that I looked up to and then like I got to eventually speak with all of them and I was just like Damn, they're just doing the same thing I'm doing, yeah. but they just have more listeners. Yeah, like that's exactly. the only difference. Like, yeah, that's the same with my writing. I've, <clears throat> I'm I'm writing the same way that other authors write. Mm. Um, maybe not as good, maybe better. I'm not sure. Uh, but um, the point is, I'm still writing. Mm. They just have a bigger audience than I do, mm. and so they can they can make a living off of it. That's what yeah. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build that audience and yeah. grow that audience. So should we talk about like the books a little bit? Like why fiction books? Like, cause that seems like something that's quite a hard, like we've obviously discussed this in person before, Yeah. but it's like, like fiction is something where it's like, I don't know. I, I maybe it's even harder to go and write like a self-help book or something or like some nonfiction book, but it's like fiction in particular feels like a market that's like, scary to like approach you know i mean yeah it, the scariest part of it is that you have so many um people to compare yourself to mm. 
like especially I write fantasy primarily, um, and so you've got some huge names to to compete with basically. Like you you you're, you're sort of standing in the shadows of people like J.R.R. Tolkien, hmm. um, who I mean I, I don't think I'd ever surpass. I, I don't think it's it would be wise for anyone to assume that they could because he's such a he, he's kind of one of the founders of modern fantasy. And so there's some big names to live up to, and I think that's what's scary about it. But what also I think is uh, what motivates me about it is that there's a lot of people that like reading fiction. A lot of people yeah. want entertainment. And once they've finished one book, they want to move on to the next. Mm. So it's not like you need to... You don't necessarily need to compete with other authors as much as you would for certain other, um, other markets because... Mm. The, a person can buy books from this author and that author. They don't yeah. have to pick and choose necessarily. Mm. So it, it is scary in some ways, but in other ways it kind of does feel a bit easier than writing nonfiction. Yeah. Um, I, think I think about writing nonfiction and it, it seems to me like it's way harder to get people interested in what you have to write. Yeah, because it's like you have to have credibility. Like you yeah. have to be like, I am... I know this about this thing or something, yeah. but it's like, like with fiction, I guess there is the fact of like, when I talk to someone and they're like, oh, I read, like it's, it's most commonly it is like they read fiction. Yeah. Cause it's like, they do it for fun and like, yeah. it's an enjoyment thing. Yeah. And like, it's just like how people watch movies or play yeah. games or watch Netflix or whatever. It's, it's their downtime. It's their leisure, their entertainment. Mm. And so the, the people want a constant stream of that. They want a constant source of entertainment. So, mm. With fiction, uh, you can kind of get into the market a bit easier than non-fiction, I would assume, because there is that constant need for entertainment and mm. need for leisure, mm. uh, especially nowadays when you've got all kinds of things going on in the world. People want that that escape, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, it, I don't know, it's like, I guess you have to create that, like, when you're actually writing a book, which I guess is probably relatively scary. Like, when you're writing it, are you kind of sitting there, like, I don't know, is there moments where you'll be editing it or something, and you'll be like, damn, how do I make sure they don't, I don't know, lose track, or, like, yeah. they don't get knocked out of the story? Yeah, I have to consider uh, if, a, if a boring bit is a bit too long. But you have to yeah. have so-called boring bits yeah um bits where it's it's not as intense or not as action-packed or not as juicy as some other bits mm. so you've got the parts which really capture the reader's attention which which you kind of get excited about as you type mm. then you have the parts between that where the necessary scenes are necessary parts of the book but not necessarily the most exciting mm. um so you have to kind of judge well how long like i need to make this long enough to contain what I need to contain, but yeah. short enough to make the reader stop losing interest. And it's like, what is the thing that constrains you from like, like, cause I guess you ha are the boring bits there because they just make the story rational or something? Yeah, they, they're like important parts of the plot. Yeah. So things like where they might just be sort of walking from one place to another mm. or just staying at one place for a period of time or something, or just having an ordinary conversation, things which, um, you can't cut out because it would it would mean that the the whole chain of the plot loses a few links mm. um, but they're kind of they're not the sort of big 
the big juicy parts that people remember. The yeah, big, I guess like the dramatic the, bits. Yeah, that the big someone dies or like. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very different. Um, like, the problems you face within writing are very different to the ones I face within like, I guess hypertrophy education. Like, there's never a a, a point where I have to be like, well, I guess I do have to keep people interested. Mm. I guess that is a part of it. But it's usually like, how do I convey this thing yeah. that is relatively complex in a simple way and, yeah. and try and get them to like understand it. And that's the thing that I've been trying the hardest is like trying to be like, how do I convey this idea that's like yeah. based in research in a way where someone who's just off the street can just read it and like understand it. Because yeah. like, like I did a presentation a while ago and it was just like, the feedback I got was like, who is this for? And I was like, highly educated people. And they were like, that's cool. But like, yeah. you need to be able to talk to the masses. Like, that's the thing. That's that's what I find difficult. Like, it's yeah. like... You need to know your audience. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I want my audience to be like muscle nerds forever. <laughs> like, they're really cool. But like, it's not <laughs> going to change the world, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that, that'd be the same with any, any when you're producing any sort of content, you didn't know who you're producing it for and mm. who you want to read it um, and write it or produce it in that way. Mm. Like, I mean, when someone picks up a book about hypertrophy, mm. they're not looking to be entertained. Yeah. But when true. someone picks up a fantasy book, they are. Yes, Their, their primary hope is that this is going to be enjoyable for me. Mm. Whereas when they pick up a book about hypertrophy, their, their primary goal is this is going to be interesting for me or this is going to be helpful to me mm. um if they enjoy it that's good and you you kind of you don't want to make it too boring mm. otherwise they might go and pick up another hypertrophy book instead but i think it yeah. you, you have to make it a different kind of interesting a different kind yeah. of exciting um and but that's, with, that's with, i think what i'm trying to figure out how to do yeah with fiction that's the main thing you have to you have to make it good. You have to make it interesting. Yeah. And you have to constantly be worrying about that. Yeah. Do you feel as though you have to, like, make it different from other authors? Like, do you feel like... I don't know. Like, I guess... Do I you mean, ever get worried of, like, taking too much inspiration from someone? Sometimes. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to avoid being like someone else in some way because so many other people have done it. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be fully unique. And in some ways, you don't want to be because yeah. there's a reason why this or that sells because people like it. Mm. Um, so you have to kind of know the trends. You have to know what people enjoy, what people want to read. But on the other hand, it is good to be um, to be unique in some ways. Um, I do try that in some uh, in some ways to be a bit different. But again, I don't. I have the humility and understanding that. There's probably a lot of other people who have also had the same ideas as me and mm. written those. Um, and I do take inspiration from the other books I read. It's 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 inevitable. Mm. Like I, I read some other fiction and I'll I'll that I'll absorb that writing style. I'll absorb some of those ideas, even like subconsciously. Yeah. Like when you does it change the way you read now? Like when you read a book, is it kind of like I don't know, a different feeling? Yeah, definitely. Like I feel I'm more I don't want to say analytical because I don't really analyze them, but I'm more conscious of different flows in the story and different mm. ways characters develop, different ways things are written. Uh, and and so I, I feel I look at it a bit more like an author than as a reader. Yeah, yeah. 
and I do sometimes find myself as I read a book I might pick up on something and think oh I could have changed that or done this differently mm. but I do try to avoid that because when I do sit down to read I'm doing it to enjoy the book not to yeah not to review the book you know that's the thing yeah it's like when I listen to fitness podcasts like a lot of the time I'm like damn they really got that guest on that's so cool like yeah like it's always like cross comparisons it's not in a bad way but it's always like interesting oh i see how they ask us that question there like it's always it's very hard to just listen to a fitness podcast yeah which is strange um yeah or like even on stuff on instagram like it's the same thing any any place where i've created stuff similar i'll just be like looking at it in like a way of like damn how do they do that interesting yeah i think that's good and important if you're if you're creating content Mm. You need to also absorb the content you're creating. Yeah, I guess there's that idea of um, there's no original ideas. Yeah. Although, yeah, it is probably true, like, in some ways. But there's ways to make those unoriginal ideas unique, I mm. think. Mm. Um, ways to present them. But, I mean, people people read what they enjoy um, because they enjoy it. Yeah. And so if you want people to enjoy your content, you need mm. to write it and make it in such a way that... Um, that they enjoy you don't you don't want to take huge risks and creating a new enjoyment for them mm. you kind of want to especially as like a new author or something mm. you kind of want to make sure that you're writing in a way that you know people enjoy yeah writing content you know people enjoy but i have mm. done some things to make make it somewhat unique in a way but mm. um well i mean you don't want to be too do you want to touch young. on like the the aspect of like the paganism behind it like or i don't know how you would how you'd phrase it yeah so um i mean for those listening it's probably most of you that don't know um i am a pagan or heathen i practice the revival of the religion of the uh, pre-christian english people um and that uh that is one of the things that features a lot in my work and i think which does set me apart from other authors in a way because most other fiction authors aren't heathens or pagans mm. because we're such a small minority. Um, so I think that my sort of religious worldview, my spiritual worldview and values and concepts and things like that do reflect in my work, intentionally and unintentionally. Mm. Um, one of the huge, like the, the inspiration for my book came from when I was reading a non-fiction history book about paganism in europe and and there's a little story in that which inspired um the the main character of my novel and his yeah. whole whole journey and stuff like that um and and all all sorts of things the world the 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 magic the lore all of that um and in my world is sort of renamed or recolored um concepts which i actually believe to be true Mm. um real pagan concepts um and that that is all that my books my stories it's saturated with uh these ideas and so i think that does set me apart from other authors in a way i've got this um this content which other fantasy authors have used things like elves and stuff like that Mm. but i look at them and use them in slightly different ways Mm. Um, so for example, with elves, um, most fantasy authors nowadays will use elves as like humans kind of with pointy ears or maybe long lives and magical abilities, things like that. Think of 
like Tolkien's elves or mm. the elves in Skyrim or something like that. Um, they're these physical beings. They're, they're people with guts and organs and things like that. Um, but in my book, my elves aren't physical beings. They're mm. spirits. They live. They reside in another world. Mm. And although they might be perceived as looking like people to the human eye, they're not. They don't have physical bodies. They're, they're immaterial. Mm. Um, which is how I believe elves actually are. Mm. They're, they're spirits. They're not physical beings they're not short they don't have pointy ears nothing like that um they're they're sort of semi-deified ancestors if you will and that's what they are in my world they're they're the the souls or spirits of people from an age long ago mm. that kind of there's has an overlap between their world and our world and that's how they're encountered by humans but they are they are spirits they're they're, they're non-material beings um, and there's a lot of that sort of idea all throughout the book. All of these sort of magical beings, these these magical concepts, aren't physical. They don't exist. They don't have a physical reality, um, if you will. And I think that's something that a lot of fantasy... I mean, I'm not saying it's an original idea of mine, but a lot of the fantasy I've seen and that I've read... Um, uses all these magical concepts as material things, mm. physical things. So these things are a part of the physics of their world. Um, like you have magic where it's primarily you can see it and feel it and touch it. Um, and you'll have sort of fantasy or, or magical beings which um, which have bodies. They they have bodies. They're born and they die and. Um, and you can you can kill them with physical objects and things like that, uh, but there's there's hardly any of that in uh, in my world. And when there is magical beings that do have a physical existence, it's because there's some kind of higher spiritual existence behind them. Right. So, for example, like a an undead person, like a vampire or something like that, mm. um, or just be like a corpse that is possessed by a spirit. And even if you can destroy the corpse, the spirit still remains. Mm. Um, yeah, as I opposed like to that aspect of like of the books, it's like well, I haven't read them all, but like you know, but yeah. it's like like I don't know that that idea behind it kind of like for people listening, like I'm not religious, but Jason is religious, and we've had a lot of discussions about it, mm-hmm. and I really like like we've actually talked about paganism a lot, and it's something where I don't know, it's interesting. It's a really interesting religion because it's like I'm not drawn to many other religions but i definitely am drawn to paganism somewhat um but i don't practice it and i don't yeah. know well i don't know if i could conceive of myself being religious but i'm not sure but we'll see well that was me in my teen years i used to be like a <laughs> kind of hardcore anti-theist I'm, i wouldn't say i'm an anti-theist like i am definitely yeah in some way i'm like damn god could so be real like <laughs> it's a part of me that... yeah well i used to be an anti-theist but then i obviously completely different now as yeah. a radical religious extremist on the other <laughs> end <laughs> but like yeah it, I, I i did used to conceive of myself as kind of never being religious but people mm. do change and yeah that's the thing our looks change as you encounter new things yeah i don't know the the thing is though like i've seen so many people be like like um, you remember our friend aiden yeah yeah he went he was religious for a bit and then he was yeah. like no nah, i'm not going religious anymore yeah and like I don't know, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but I think I would do that. Mm. Well, I don't know. I think 
it would have to like fl- come into my not into my life like relatively naturally like it yeah. would have to be like I don't know if I could go out of my way to be like, oh, today's the day. Yeah. I'm going to be religious now. Yeah. That was the same with me. Um, and, a, and a lot of pagans as well have mm. have that experience where it's not like they wake up one day and decide to convert. Yeah. It's more that over, at, at some point in their life, they realize, oh, well, I'm a pagan now. So it's not like, right. it's not like they decide then, their conversion. How do you learn the like ideas behind it like how do you learn how to practice and all that? well you you learn like you take an interest in it and right. you learn as you you just learn stuff out of interest hmm. and it kind of leads you down rabbit holes and you start to think about that and then you start to think oh i might try doing this i might tr- try doing that and, hmm. and all that and then eventually you realize oh well i'm a pagan now yeah um, I'm, yeah. I'm practicing the religion regularly i believe in a lot of the things that the religion says and then once that happens then you can dig way deeper and actually start doing proper dedicated mm. um learning but it, it all starts with like for a lot of people it starts with they they do it without realizing it they they kind yeah. of go down a road and they don't realize they're walking down that road until they're halfway down it you know mm. yeah that's the thing though I, I i feel like i'm somewhat down that road but then again like the the um like for instance that bookshelf there is full of Christopher Hitchens and his like a lot of his stuff is like God is bad like it's like he's very anti-religion and like I haven't been I used to be quite like yeah get behind those arguments but now I'm kind of like I don't know it just seems a bit like pointless I don't know or like uh, what's like I haven't seen personally religion do that much harm or because I guess that's a lot of their arguments but then again I do get the arguments in some ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to read a lot of sort of atheist literature. Four Horsemen? Back then. I haven't... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I used to sort of worship those guys and yeah. all that. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, I think a lot of what happens is some people, they they get into that that sort of thinking, that philosophy, that those ideas. And mm. then... We don't want to... <laughs> I So basically, the microphone cut out, but we, we had just had like a 20-minute discussion. Yeah, it was. What, what else? Was, we, it? was it just religion we were talking about? We were talking about the nah, we oh, talk... philosophy and like echo chambers. Yeah, and evidence-based science. And... <laughs> yeah. Damn, we, yeah. We, did, we did miss out a lot. James um, is the one managing the recording, so you can blame him. Yeah. It was... <laughs> it's our first podcast. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's my 179th. But <laughs> <laughs> <True. is> <laughs> um, should we actually? I maybe it would be good to like formally tackle religion as like a thing. Yeah. Because like, like cause that's so we did just have like a twenty minute discussion about religion, but it's like there's still a lot that I want to drill down on that because yeah. I am I'm coming from the perspective of like atheists in quotes, but I don't even know is that the right term? Would you cons- what would you consider from what you know about my religious views? Or lack thereof, what yeah. would you consider me as? Atheist. Atheist. Yeah. What does that well, mean? To a pagan, an atheist just... is someone without the gods. So someone who... Oh. What's, um, the, what's, the, what's the second version of that? There's another word. Oh, people use the word agnostic. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Um, well, in Greek, it means without knowledge. Yeah. Um, but the implication with that is that without knowledge of a god. So the, the, yeah. defini- the modern definition is that you don't 
know whether or not there is a god yeah so you, that's how i feel though. yeah that's how i feel i feel agnostic right because i'm like agnosticism to a, to a religious person is basically just a form of atheism um, yeah and yeah. a lot of people do but then but then to a atheist. person who is considered themselves completely atheist yeah it's like the same thing it's like there's that yeah. both tribes don't accept you yeah and so then it's like you're in the middle here but you know that there's some level of, of yeah. belief some level of disbelief yeah so then it's like neither tribe will accept you but then you're sitting there in the middle yeah so it, and i like i think so the, the like the, the religious people won't accept you but the atheists neither will be like Oh yeah, totally. Whatever, yeah. come join the atheist gang. Yeah, because you don't want to be in the atheist atheist gang. I've seen a lot of arguments between atheists and agnostics, yeah. um, who, where where the atheists will say, "Oh, you're just a fence sitter. You need to." It's just like sort of intellectual cowardice or something like that. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't agree with. I don't think it is intellectual cowardice or anything like that. Um, mm. The only reason that I consider agnostics to also be atheists is because. Um, well, in, in our current culture, in our Western worldviews on things, mm. we see um, a person's religion as defined by their belief. Right. So a, a theist is someone who believes in a God. Mm. And an atheist is someone who doesn't believe in a God. Mm. Um, but to a pagan, it's more about practice. What do you do, not what you believe? Yeah. Um, it's, it's what they call an orthopraxic religion, um, where it's focused on right practice rather than right right belief so like say say if you did the right things but your belief was literally not there yeah would it still count yes it would so, so like, like you're still going and doing the rituals and all that yeah but in your mind you're like these gods are not real yeah so to a pagan although it would be better to believe and practice because belief does help with practice mm. And it makes it more sincere and you put more into it if you actually believe it's real. Yeah. But a pagan would um, probably rather, be- would prefer a pagan to practice than to believe in the gods. Right. Why, um, why is that? That's just the nature of the religion right. and the importance placed on certain things. What about Christianity in comparison? Well, with Christianity, um, especially um, Protestant Christianity, the focus is on belief. Um, right. the, the main important thing is to have faith, to, right. to believe in Christ and believe that Christ um, has, has given salvation to man. Mm. Um, but it's, it's different with paganism um, where the, the work is of primary importance. Um, you have mm. to um, perform the rites, to, to do the rituals and, and live virtuously. Mm. And belief just comes second to that. Mm. Um, and so pagans consider agnostics to be atheists because it doesn't matter what they believe, they're not performing the rituals, right. they're not performing the rites. Ah, but then so, Christians, for instance, might consider me somewhat religious. Yeah, they would consider you a bit closer to theism than yeah. atheism yeah. because you are not certain. Mm. So you, be, you you might believe that there might be or yeah. that there, there is, but you don't know the nature. I of don't it. want, yeah, exa- that's kind of how it feels. Like, I don't want to cut myself mm. off from atheism. I don't want to be like, no, God is definitely real. But then again, what I think that's the wrong phrasing. I don't want to cut myself off from God or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know what exists and I don't know what to believe. I don't... Um, it would take a lot to convince me to be yeah. like, yeah, you should practice religion. Like, that would take a lot. Yeah. Like, just my whole life, everyone is shit on religion. Yeah. It's like... So it would be pretty hard to be like... Like, I imagine you have probably got a lot of blowback in the last few years for being like, I'm religious now. Yeah. Like, 
if you do any, if you like say, oh, I'm a Stoic now, or I study philosophy, they'll be like, yeah, cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's no blowback to that, but like, yeah. Like, I have even got pushback on being like, yeah, no, I, I kind of am less, con- less convinced that God is not real. Yeah. As of recent times, and people will be like, ha, ha, ha. And like it's, a, I don't know, it's confusing. Yeah. Like, what's well, it's conflicting. I do notice. Um, I mean, I'm not like fully oppressed or anything, but I there is some like kind of people recoil and things and blow yeah. back. And I have noticed it is more for practice rather than belief. People generally have this. I mean, in New Zealand at least, people have this sort of. Well, you believe what you want. We respect what you believe. But once you start actually making those beliefs real, like you yeah. start practicing those. Um, then people get a little bit more uncertain or awkward, mm. um, if not outright hostile. But yeah, have you yeah. ever had a, like someone get really mad? Not in person, but on the internet. Um, on the internet, you yeah. can encounter all kinds of people yeah. because yeah. they're hiding behind a, yeah. an avatar and things like that. Like a, um, maybe a um, an AI developed face. Yeah. Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> I've got an article I found, um, but. I'll just finish my point then. Um, you, with, with it, when it comes to this sort of uh, practice versus belief or agnostic versus theist or whatever, pagans don't care what a person believes or does really. Yeah. Um, it's not like you have to do this or that for salvation. Um, Wait, like, so it's not if, like you'll if, be if damned you're a for pagan, eternity. You go to Valhalla. No, no. No, if you're a no. warrior pagan, you go to Valhalla. Valhalla specifically is a place where um, the those slain in battle uh, might yes, go. Yes. So is there another but, version of that for normal people? Um, there's a lot of debate about afterlife. Um, and in truth, the general thing that pagans agree on with afterlife mm. is that we don't actually know for certain where everyone goes. Yeah. Um, there is like an underworld and there is a general idea among a lot of pagans of a, a type of reincarnation, even though I don't prefer using that word. Um, but what we do mostly agree on is that you're not going to be damned or punished for not believing in paganism, for not yeah. being a pagan. Um, but then in contrast, <coughs> other religions do. Yeah. So like Christianity, for instance, you may be damned to hell yeah. if you're not believing. Yeah. And that's right. where that's where the difference is in in the importance of belief and of practice. Yeah. Um, in Christianity, even if you go to church every Sunday, you um, you do the Eucharist, you do you practice all the Christian morals and virtues and things like that. You basically live as a Christian, mm. but you don't believe. Mm. A lot of um, Christian, um, a lot of forms of Christianity would say you're not going to heaven because well, you don't believe you don't have the faith yeah. whereas in paganism you get the benefits of ritual whether you believe in them or not yeah you just get more if you believe in it because you're putting more into it you know yeah yeah but if you like to to a pagan if you if you perform the rituals and you you do the rites and you make the sacrifices at the proper times and things like that it doesn't matter as much whether or not you believe that the, the, there's anything receiving those um, sure. Can we talk like, a little bit about the practices? Like, wh- for instance, when people hear the word sacrifices, what, yeah. do, you, what do you mean? Well, um, in ancient times, it's a bit different to modern times because of many things. But today, um, daily, I make small offerings of, like, I'll burn incense or, um, like, herbs or something. 
um, or, or melt wax as offerings, um, along with a glass of fresh water. Mm. Um, so I'll also make offerings of salt. Um, so those are just daily, just really little cheap offerings. Um, but then for main holy days and the, the rituals then, mm. I'll offer um, food and alcohol. But what would be an example? There was one <clears throat> I saw you talked about a while ago. Yeah. You said happy something or other. Well, one of the main ones is Yule. Yeah. Um, which has a, a midwinter festival. Um, and that one I offered... So I, I cooked up a roast wild boar. Yeah. Um, and not, not a whole, not the whole pig, just uh, like some belly, um, which had ribs. And I, once we finished the meal, I offered the ribs. Yeah. I also offered two bottles of wine. Mm. Oh, it was mead, actually. Um, and burned some incense. Mm. So that was just the offering for um, an important holy day. So they're not like, you should offer these exact items. Well, there is some guidelines. So mead, right. I did because the... The god that was offered to in Yule was Woden, mm. and um, mead is kind of a sacred drink to him. Right. Um, the boar um, was also used because the boar has is attested to be the proper Yule um, right. sacrifice. In okay. ancient times, they would sacrifice a boar. Like a whole, they'd, a like whole they'd, they'd slaughter the boar ritually. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, that's not within my capabilities. Yeah. Um, pretty f- currently crazy. so yeah. um, I just did the, 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 the yeah. bones of our meal instead yeah. yeah but there is some general guideline like you shouldn't yeah. offer things that would be offensive or like um, cheap like for example if you um, let's say you had some bread in your cupboard and you it had gone moldy yeah you probably shouldn't use that then as an offering because yeah. it's just like it's your rubbish you're throwing it away you shouldn't really Use so it has that. to be something that's like it needs value yeah. yeah it needs to have value to you and them yeah like it's not just like oh I, i'm i'm not gonna finish that packet of sticky ribs yeah chips yeah so this is a bad offering yeah um but like a bottle of wine for example that, you've purchased yeah. that yeah. with the money that you've might have worked for yeah um and so that's like a it's a, it's a sacrifice of something you're giving something yeah um just like think of it as a gift like you wouldn't give someone a gift of of your rubbish mm. um so you wouldn't give the you wouldn't give gods a gift of your rubbish yeah that is true and so with the with the remains of an animal that we've eaten we've eaten mm. the good part yeah um but the feast happened as the sacrifice like i could have just not done the feast mm. um, not eaten the boar not purchased the boar um so we eat a part of it and then give the rest to show that this this feast was done in honor of, of yes. um, this or that deity. Yes. Because um, the gods, they're not physical beings. They don't actually eat. Yeah. Um, that but would it's be more like, ridiculous. It's a, do you feel like it's meant to send a message? Like, it's, it's like, hey, man. Yeah. It gives them... Some... Like, you, you give the... Um, for, for one, it, it shows that you are giving something. Yeah. So they're like, oh, cool. That person is, um, is being reverent. Yeah. But... Um, also, the, it gives uh, like the, the the power or the force contained within that. Yeah, right. Which the gods don't need because um, they have an infinite source of it. Yeah. But it's again, it's showing that you're giving something. Right. It's, it's making the sacrifice. So the sacrifices, the offerings, benefit us 
Mm-hmm. They don't. It doesn't benefit the gods because the gods don't need it. Yeah. Um, so it, it, all the all the ritual, all the sacrifice, and all that is done for us. Mm. Um, which is why pagans aren't interested in going around converting everyone because yeah, that's what I we like don't need paganism. to yeah we don't need to bring all these benefits to our gods because the gods don't need everyone yeah, to worship. I really like that about it because it's like when we talked about it at the start, like when you first became pagan or when we first at least discussed it, probably like two years ago or something. Mm. I was like, oh, I like how it's more like. And I think you mentioned it, and I like asked you about it rather than you being like, hey man. Be a pagan. Yeah. Be a pagan. Like, it was pretty... I don't know, it was nice. Like, whenever... If I ever encourage people to become pagan, um, half the time it's, like, sort of semi-jokingly. But um, it would be more out of, like... Because I I think it would benefit that person. Yeah. But it's not like I need them to or that the gods need them to. So then you won't go to hell or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be damned. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I guess there doesn't seem to be much of a, like structure of punishment like, isn't there, didn't you mention a while ago there's no concept of sin yeah that? so there is uh injustice and there is there is things like virtue and so then there's yeah. obviously the non-virtue yeah um like it's not like it's a free-for-all do what you want kind of religion yeah. um so there's definitely some morality to it and all that but it's not um the concept of sin and that it makes you sort of corrupted or impure yeah um of course, other pay like when I tell you these things, keep in mind um, this is not universal among all pagans. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of disagreement on theology and all that. Um, but uh, with sin, sin is something which you commit a sin and you need to be cleaned of it. Yeah, um, there's not really something as much like that in paganism. There is, mm. um, there is immorality and all that. Um, there is wrong ways of doing things there is virtue and so there is um the opposite but you're not going to be eternally damned for these things yeah um even if you are punished in the afterlife or punished cosmically in some way it's not going to be eternal mm. it's going to be like a um sort of uh you you paying off your debts in a way yeah like if you commit an injustice you have a debt to pay to mm. um whatever you've committed that injustice yeah. to so- and so you need to repay that and it's not going to last forever yeah so so when you think of like comparing philosophy and religion Mm. maybe this is something we should do for a whole other episode yeah probably this shit is long but like what drew you to religion rather than philosophy well i Uh, guess probably philosophy philosophy drew you to religion yeah yeah maybe that's why i'm somewhat drawn to religion now yeah because it's like when I think about Marcus Aurelius, I think, like, what would he do if he was watching me? You know, yeah. like, am I acting in a way that he would be proud of? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it's not paganism, that different, you know? In paganism, you'd be able to venerate Marcus Aurelius, what make offerings to him, mm. give him... Would it actually be in Marcus Aurelius? Yeah. You'd, yeah. Be, you'd be doing, like, a form of hero worship. Good but, old Marcus. Where's but, yeah, like, I... My interest in... Like, what brought me to... Uh, heathenry as a religion mm. was the heathen philosophy. Yes. Which... Like I, I encountered that. I read um, one of the Icelandic sagas, right. and I really liked the um, sort of the whole cyclical uh, yeah. worldview behind that. And I liked a lot of the um, virtues and the, the theology that was presented in those sagas. Um, mm. And I got looking into it a bit more, looking at the worldviews of 
um, of the pre-Christian people in Europe and Scandinavia and all that. Mm. Um, and then that introduced me. People nowadays are practicing a religion around it, around it, and mm. um, one thing led to another. And so I think philosophy and and theology often go hand in hand. Mm. Um, and a lot of the like ancient philosophers um, were practicing theology. Yeah, like, I believe to them it was theology. They yeah, were talking a lot about of the, the Stoics were religious. Yeah, sure. yeah, definitely, um, yeah. and especially like the Platonists as well. Yeah, um, it, it's it's hard to divorce the two, and I think that's because when you start thinking about things that are more abstract, mm. things that aren't material, things that aren't observable in the physical world, yeah, whether you're philosophizing over morality or virtue mm. which um can't be told to us by science and evidence yeah um or whether you're thinking about like uh concepts beyond the material world like yeah. abstract things ideals forms whatever yeah um you're you start thinking about the same things that religion deals with yeah do you, do you think they should be used hand in hand or do you yeah, like yeah, for instance yeah. i use philosophy as a moral framework like i use philosophy as how should i live my life how should i like go about doing things like yeah i have a certain amount of years on this planet how do i do it right you know yeah like does religion provide a similar thing yeah i think the two go hand in hand at least for me um but i couldn't is there not like say for if you're a certain religion would there not be philosophies that conflict there would be yeah yeah but i guess you have to find one that matches yeah um like for me like I, my interest in plato and stuff plato was a pagan not mm. the same as me mm. but um he still he was a polytheist he worshiped the gods of his people and all mm. that um and his philosophy came from that and mm. and helped that it, the, the two kind of interlinked um and so i think like that's been my experience and i think it's hard to divorce the two um yeah it, it informs oh, it's hard practice to, it seems it, like it draws a line that's like blurry between the two in some ways yeah yeah like i talk about philosophy theology metaphysics Mm. all that but for me it's all kind of just different words for the same thing in a way um because in in paganism as well there's not like a clear line between religion and not religion like there's not there's not your everyday life and then your religion it's like kind of everything all all your thinking all your actions and stuff are part of the religion yeah um Whereas in uh, Christianity, you have Christianity and then the rest, like secular society. And so right. Christianity is something that's been planted on top of right. of the rest of society, of culture and stuff and all that. And it's separable from culture. It's separable from daily life. But with paganism, that's not the case. And it's not the case for um, our ancestors either. Everything they did was part of their religion. So mm. there was no real religion in the modern Western sense. Of course, mm. they were religious, mm. but um, their religion encompassed everything. Yeah. So everything was informed by it. And so with this mindset, you can't have like a philosophy talking about this or that because it's also uh, without it being religious because it's also part of religion, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if I was ways, just yeah. discussing the philosophy of like, I don't know, whether or not people should have backyards um <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's that's still part of, partly theology and so like a pagan would have to consider all the theological implications of this or that backyard philosophy hmm. you know no i'm sure i'll get this one day i don't okay. know I don't, I don't get it at this stage though um 
But I think we should do a whole episode. Yeah, yeah. Talking about philosophy. Maybe I should read Plato's Republic. Yeah. And then, would Maybe. You, would you reread Plato's Republic? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind that. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know how quick I could read that. Probably but, not that quick. Yeah. Just like the philosophy is something which, when you do philosophy, it encompasses your whole life. Like it yeah, it's kind of like it's every single thing. Yeah. Um, look back to it and so with pagan theology it's also all-encompassing yeah so obviously if you have one thing which encompasses a hundred percent of your life and another thing which encompasses a hundred percent of your life those things are going to be the same thing yeah Yeah. it's not like you have 50 percent theology 50 percent philosophy it's my friend kedrick he is um he considers himself a stoic i believe yeah and he's christian right so it's like they he has both yeah but I guess maybe they touch on different things. Well, I mean, a lot of Christian theology comes from ancient Greek and Roman philosophy mm, um, that has just been kind of reworked a little bit and changed. And that's what you can do with philosophy. You don't have to follow this or that dogma by this or that mm. philosopher. Yeah, that's what I think I need to... Um, mm. Like, I enjoy a few different philosophers, but the only one I've really dive, dove into is Stoicism. Like, right. at Ryan Holiday. Like, yeah. it's just like... And even within Stoicism, I haven't dove that deep. Like, I've read Marx really as yeah. like, one book, but, like, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Stoicism, ancient Stoicism is different to modern Stoicism. Yeah. yeah. Like, with modern Stoicism, like, the whole kind of, um, sort of, regulate your emotions and, um, kind of be, be sort of tough, if you will, or something like that. Um, I have, like, the thing is, I don't, I think people always say that as a critique of Stoicism. Yeah. But it's like, I've never seen that messaging put across. Like, never. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean, though? Like, kind of try to be calm and understanding and... Yeah, true. And, it's, and, it's, and, it's not and like, accepting and... But I think it's, it's important to draw a line between Stoicism says regulate your emotions don't get angry don't get this don't mm. get that I, I i don't see stoicism say that like from what I, my interpretation of stoicism it feels as though it's like hey yeah like if your emotions are gonna like cause wreckage upon the mm. world like properly regulate your emotions yeah and also realize when you're just being like a shittier version of yourself yeah. and it's like but the thing is we are human and that's where i think stoicism maybe needs um, that's why I want to investigate other philosophies because yeah. it's like Stoicism provides a lot of things where it's like damn that's really useful like external versus internal locus of control it's like yeah. who controls what happens in your life yeah. you or the world so it's yeah. like that that part of Stoicism I think is crucial like um, for me it's like with Stoicism and the, and the scoliosis thing like I have a spine condition it's not that bad it sounds terrible but it's like I'm a normal human um, but it's like that um the whole stoic message of like what do you control yeah. all that kind of helped a lot with that because it was like oh no i'm a victim yeah blah 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 but then it's like oh no you're actually not like you're privileged as fuck yeah you live in new zealand like yeah like, yeah you're fine yeah. yeah so that i mean that's one of the things i like about stoicism is that that whole kind of just accept what you can and can't control mm. um but the the difference between that and ancient Stoicism was that ancient Stoicism was theology. They yeah. talked about the gods and uh, like Marcus Aurelius wasn't an atheist. Mm. Um, although there is that quote that people do like to pull up, but what, it's what it's was, a misquote. I don't have it on me. I can't remember it exactly. Um, but it's about like how um, 
people probably might recognize it about how if the if there are gods and they're just then um they're not gonna like punish you for this or that but if there's um if there's no gods then it doesn't matter or something like that um if you google marcus aurelius quote you'll probably get it if there are yeah if there all. are gods and they are just they will not care how devout you have been but will welcome you based on the virtues you have lived by if there are gods but unjust then you should not want to worship them <laughs> it's a good quote well I, it's not actually it, him <laughs> yeah but i feel um, like he has had he like i'm pretty sure his only book was meditations that was yeah. released and that wasn't meant to be released yeah like well i don't know maybe it was but like that's the thing yeah. people always say but like the thing with the ancient stocks they were all religious and their yeah. stoicism was their theology it mm. was part of their religious outlook and yeah. modern stoicism obviously doesn't incorporate the gods into it yeah um but you can like that's the thing philosophies change and they can um they can be for whoever like you don't yeah. have to be this or that religion but when it comes to you have a religion which incorporates all aspects of your life mm. philosophy is obviously going to just be a part of that mm. um, because philosophy also governs your life your virtues yeah your, that sort of thing yeah i'm definitely going to um I'll start off with Plato's Republic. I think that's the best move. Yeah. Rather than just saying... It's what people usually recommend is yeah. Republic. Is it conflicting to Stoicism? Like, would you say that is the... They were around similar times, right? Yeah. Um, that, and were Plato and Seneca around at similar times? Interesting. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know much about Seneca. You have I to think look he was in... Um, but yeah, I, wouldn't, I would say the Republic does have some conflicts with Stoicism if... You consider the egalitarianism a part of Stoicism? What do you mean by that? Um, like I, I don't know heaps about Stoicism, honestly. Um, but one of the things I have read about Stoicism is that um, it teaches that all souls are equal. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, you could be rich, you're poor, um, you're ruler or not ruler. Um, mm. You're all just the same anyways. Mm. Um, whereas with... Plato, Plato didn't believe this, Neoplatonists really? didn't believe this, nah. So Plato in his Republic talks about different types of souls. Yeah. Some souls are more inclined to this, some souls are more inclined to that. Does he place different values on them? He doesn't place, like, he doesn't say these souls are better or more valuable. Right. He but says that these souls, these souls are more inclined to virtue and wisdom, these souls are less so. Hmm. Um, I don't know... See, like, that, for me, feels a little, um, dangerous. Because it's, like, like, the idea that everybody should be equal, that seems pretty self-explanatory. Right. right? But then it's, like, because then if someone is already, like, entrepreneurially minded, like, I'm quite an ambitious person, and, like, I am quite confident, egotistical would be another word you could use. I literally had to get like ego is the enemy like a symbol of that tattooed on me and like the idea of like oh some people are just more virtuous they're yeah. more ambitious than but they're just you know they're going to strive for more like i think that would be a dangerous idea for me personally yeah. well with like the kind of the main argument in plato's republic is that the soul has three parts mm. you have the intellect um which they called the logisticon Mm. <clears throat> which is like the the highest part of the soul it's the part of the soul that 
mm. kind of governs the rest. Mm. It's the thinking part, the part of the soul that can know the ideals, that can know true wisdom. Then you have below that, you have the thumeticon, um, yeah. which is kind of like the, the spirit or the emotional part of the soul. Yeah. Um, it's the part of the soul that drives a person to anger or to love or to um, all of these sort of powerful, passionate emotions. Yeah. Um, this part of the soul can't know wisdom. It, it can't be like rational because that's not the. Because so this one is powered by love. This the is the emotional part. So he can like you, you compare it to the body. The intellect is like the mind, mm. and the the thumeticon is like the heart. Mm. Um, it, it's it's responsible for emotions and things like that. But it's not sort of it, it, it's not rational. It's, it's that's just because like, I mean your heart doesn't think, does it? Well. Um, <laughs> Not every day. And then below the thumeticon, you have the um, epithumeticon, yeah. which is like the he com- is compared with the stomach or the the genitals, which is the part that is concerned with base desires. So it's and, like biological yeah, desires. Yeah, yeah, So you have biological desires, <clears throat> intellectual sort of capacity and wisdom. And yeah, that, and like learning. And then in between that, you have emotions, emotions, which I guess control the Yeah, And so he he gives an analogy for this with his republic, with his ideal society, where you have the thinkers on top, led by a philosopher king, um, and then you have the... Philosopher king. You know who else was called the philosopher king? (laughs) Marcus Aurelius. Um, And then below them, you have the... um, He calls them the guardians, who are like the... they, They defend and... Uh, enforce justice in the society and mm. defend it from outside so does he enemies. So does he lay this framework out in the book? Yeah. So is Plato's Republic outlining an ideal society? People interpret it that way. Yeah. But it's more that his ideal society that he talks about, he uses this as an analogy for the soul, to right. explain the soul. So really the Republic is about the soul and and what the soul is like and how a soul should be properly ordered. Because he says that a lot of people don't have the, the the three parts of their souls properly properly ordered yeah so you have like either right and some people the thumeticon will be powerful and in charge and then the the intellect will be subject to it oh, and right. so they're driven by the emotions and their passions and which like which that. does he state should be so he he states that the people who where the the logisticon or the intellect is the highest mm. and in control of the rest yeah. those people should be in charge um, because right. they're the ones who are thinking, and so then they can put that rationality onto the rest. Right. Of I guess there's society. no rationality without. Yeah. The so he doesn't say he doesn't say that the, the he doesn't say that the emotional part of the soul is bad. Yeah. But he says it needs to be um, put under the control of the intellect of yes. the rational part of the soul. Hmm. That doesn't seem too unreasonable. <clears throat> um, Sounds pretty reasonable. And so then when he talks about the society, he's just talking about like the the philosophers who know wisdom can right. then control. The, the people who know passion yeah. um, so that they don't let their passions go out of hand either to bully the um, people within the society or go off and cause all kinds of ruckus outside of it or anything like that mm. um, and then same with the um, with the the epithumeticon and the like the desiring part of the soul it needs to be regulated by reason and by the, by rationality um, you can't be pursuing all kinds of um, bodily, biological desires because that could cause all kinds of problems. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think that does actually make like sense compared to yeah. today's society. Like it seems as though that thing, that framework, generally holds true. I don't see how that would be super out of touch today. 
Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's controversial because he gives he says that the the lower parts should have absolutely no power right. over the society. Okay. So they are subject to the philosophers. And so mm. if the like the philosophers well, say yeah. that they should be doing this or that. I see why people um, would object to that, because it's yeah. like then you're taking empathy out of the picture in some way. There's also the implication of inequality. So yeah, that's yeah. what we originally on about. Um so Plato he says that people have the the different parts of the soul are in control for different people or mm. or the souls are disordered for most people where you have like the thumeticon or epithumeticon in control of that person mm. um and so plato says that a person should strive to order their soul properly um but understand that the that they're all different so people have like different levels if you will of um of logisticon thumeticon and epithumeticon yeah. Um, so some people are more inclined to passions and living by their passions. Some people are more inclined to living by their desires and their biological needs and things like that. And others are more inclined to living by um, pursuit of wisdom. Yeah. Um, the commonality between them all that the Platonists um, accept is that they are all striving for good. Yeah. And that all souls by nature are good. So there's no such thing as like right. a bad soul or an evil soul. Mm. They're all good by nature and striving for good. It's just the ones who have the intellect in control. Mm. Those are the ones who are actually capable of knowing what actually is good rather than pursuing the good that has been determined by the lower parts of the soul. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. But I think you should read it yeah, I'm properly read it, because yeah. Plato obviously Maybe describes I'll, it better than me. I have like six books there that I'm kind of reading. <laughs> but Harry Potter is one that I can kind of just that chill. The other ones I haven't started completely. No, I've started all of them actually, I think. But I'm like halfway through two of them. It's a bit of a mess. But I might just... I don't see anything wrong with like... Oh, fuck. Oh, thank God. Um, I don't see anything wrong with like just halfway starting a book um yeah. should we touch on the ai article or? yes yeah. actually yeah um so i found this article a few days ago um some people might have seen it it was actually i think you should new I think york people times should go and actually we'll put yeah. the article in the show notes yeah because like it's pretty um, interesting it's it's, it's new like, york times designed to deceive do these people look real to you is the headline mm. by um cashmere hill and jeremy white mm. the article um it starts off by giving you a bunch, it shows you a bunch of faces, um, like photo, photograph faces, yeah. um, which look exactly real. I'm not talking like somewhat real, but fully real. Yeah, like like these it look would be like hard to be people. like, that's not a real human. Like, like if you saw this, you would think that's just some random guy. Yeah. Like you're not going to, you're not going to know that it's not real, but it's not real. Yeah. It's an AI generated face. Um, and so this whole article goes on about how um, this AI system, um, there's a website, thispersondoesnotexist.com, mm. um, where you can purchase um, this fake gen- uh, fake generated AI photo for, um, for $3. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, God. Man. Or you can buy a thousand of them for a thousand dollars. Jesus. And it goes on about this, and and so the the people who wrote it created their own AI system where they they have they do the same thing, and you can 
um, fiddle with these like sliders and and change all these little qualities. Mm. Um, it's scary stuff. It is frightening. Like it like, is like <laughs> like because the fact is like I think they were mentioning how they use it for like video games and stuff. There's also like online people will just like use it for like yeah. Say if you're like a right wing extremist and you would want to yeah. troll people on Facebook, you just buy one of these for three bucks. Yeah, and then people literally think you're real. You could call yourself Jenny, whatever. Yep. And they'll just, you just get someone who looks like Jenny. Yeah. So what people say is like you can use them sort of like as stock photos and mm. things to like. There's one there's one part of the article where it says that companies can buy them to make their company look more diverse on their website. Seriously. Yeah. What the fuck? Um. But like, yeah, it's like video Jeez. game characters and all kinds of things, like sort of average. I can't believe they're using it to make their company look more diverse. Yeah. It's like what? Um, but what do then you, do? you go on your page and you say this person works for us, and they're it's not, probably they're not for like real? stock images. Like you, you have like a picture of like yeah. people in your company or something. You, yeah, yeah. Um, but like you can make them do all kinds of things. You can even get animated ones. Um, oh yeah. There's a there's a company that does animated ones and even can make them talk. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like if that looks realistic, mm. good god. Like, so, it's but but I think there are, they do mention a few dead giveaways like the blurry background. Well, yeah, um, but like sometimes there'll be like little things, but it's pretty hard to tell. It is hard to tell, especially when you're not looking for it. Yeah, if you're not like looking at it and being like, oh, is this like if you look at every picture you see on Facebook and you're like, is this AI generated? Yeah, ninety nine percent will probably be real. Yeah, and then one percent maybe or whatever. But like it. It's so it's so realistic. Like, it, mm. I you should go check it out. Go check this article out. It's, yeah, it's freaky how real these photos look. It is pretty gnarly. Um, and like, there's all kind like so many implications with this. And the article goes on into them a bit. Um, AI in general is pretty freaky. Yeah, but like these things, it's like like James just said, you can be like a propagandist or something, yeah. or like a troll or something, and just. Use this as your profile picture, mm. and everyone will be none the wiser. Like, yeah, they're gonna look real. Yeah, like, and and you can use it all sorts of ways. Like, you can influence elections with it. Like, you can, for a thousand dollars, you can buy a thousand yeah, people. Yeah, true. And then if you make those thousand people loud as fuck, yeah, you just automate those thousand people yeah. on Facebook or something. It's like Jesus. Like, let's say you have a a, a minority community. Like, let's say you have, um, like. Uh, like Donald Trump's election campaign or something like that. Yeah. Just as an example, the campaign team could would have more than a thousand dollars in their budget. Oh yeah, yeah. They could buy a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um. Of of these AI faces, make yeah. them all like black people or Mexicans or whatever, um, and then have them just swamp Twitter yeah. or Facebook or whatever, like making posts like, oh yeah, like black people, we should be voting for Trump and yeah, blah yeah. blah blah. Um, and, and not just Trump, any politician, any political campaign team can, can do this and say like that it's in our group's best interests Mm. to do this. And just by sheer number. And it's like, I think, I can't remember what the exact statement is, but it's like, if you hear something repeated enough, it'll just start to be be perceived as true. And if you've got people who you perceive to be in your group, your Mm. community, your whatever saying this is what is good for us. Mm. Eventually, you'll start to trust them. Like if yeah. if a thousand people are saying we should do this or that, mm. maybe they're right. Yeah. But then, 
what you don't realize is that it's all just AI generated faces mm. with just a algorithm behind them tweeting all these things yeah that some someone else who has absolutely no interest in your community has mm. just created to try and exploit that community yeah that's the scary thing about ai it's like you don't know what it can be useful yeah. like it is people over i think people overstate how scary it is like it's not just going to become general intelligence like tomorrow you know like but it's like it's pretty powerful. Like yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this thing that I'm going to do with hypertrophy. And um, when I say hypertrophy, by the way, it basically means gaining muscle. Like it's like muscle increasing in size is hypertrophy. And like if we can figure out how to automate prescription of resistance training, mm. then it's like, holy shit, you just got rid of personal trainers. Yeah. Like they are eliminated. And it's like, not completely because there's psychological things that personal trainers can do yeah. that I, and I, I probably could not do yet. <laughs> but like, it is pretty frightening. Like for nutrition now, it's like, I'm signing up to this nutrition thing. My friend's, um, he's got a PhD in exercise science and I think maybe nutrition masters or something. Mm. And he's making a AI for nutrition. And I just signed up to it and it's pretty sick. Like, it works really well. It estimates yeah. your calories, blah, 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 tells you what to eat. It's like... Yeah. And there's multiple companies doing that now. So it's yeah. like... Yeah, this is like... I don't know. It's kind of like the internet, too. Yeah. <laughs> like... And then on the other hand, you can have AI used for all sorts of malicious... Yeah. ...ways. It's like, not just not just political campaigning, but... Uh, like And the implications with this technology, even if it's, like, not necessarily just... Um, this person does not exist.com, but like the technology behind it as it grows and evolves, it can be used for mm. all sorts of things like blackmail, like, yeah. it, like the, you can animate them and have them talk. So imagine if, um, and like, like those deep fakes as well. Like imagine you had some like public figure, you just created a, um, an AI generated yeah. video of them saying, saying something yeah. and then you just completely ruin their career, even though they never ever said that or were in that situation. Yeah. Um, or just like use it for like blackmailing money out of someone like yeah. you could have like a, like you could just find people on Facebook, generate an AI of their face mm. um, and then have them have them animated and saying something that would just absolutely ruin their life, like ruin their job, mm. ruin their friendship. You their voice too. Yeah. So it's like, Jesus. I mean, if, if they can do this, it wouldn't be hard to generate voices as well. And... They can then just say, they can email you, say, okay, look, we've got this video of you saying this, this, and that, mm. um, or doing this, this, or that. Mm. There's all kinds of things they could yeah, do with it. I don't know, though. Give, like us, every... give us $10,000 and I mean, we won't share it. The internet itself came with a lot of bad. Like, yeah. you have the dark web. I don't know what else. The, the internet obviously is some bad shit. Like, Facebook being, like, a polarized, like, polarized like, yeah. area. But, like, I don't know. Like... It's, I think it's going to come with, like, when AI is more, like, widely used. It's pretty widely used now, but, like, yeah. even more. Like, that'll be pretty insane, but I think it'll mostly be a good thing. But it just kind of depends on humans. Yeah. I mean, it's like, think of, like, the Industrial Revolution, for example. Yeah. It changed the world. Yeah. Um, and I think we're and going to have with, an AI revolution. Oh, 100%. It yeah. came with some benefits, but also came with some huge consequences. Yeah. Well, same like with socially, social environmentally. And um, yeah. the internet in general, same thing. Yeah. Like, it's completely changed the way people live. Yeah. And now it's just going to be the exact... But I I don't know. It just makes products more efficient, but it just basically eliminates jobs. 
Yeah. But I, I don't want to get into that because, like, but I think it more jobs will probably be created. But it is, in a way, this technology alone can basically affect every single industry. Like, I know how it can change my industry. Yeah. Like, they say that people can write books with AI, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, as it gets smarter, you could have AI generating books and AI generating stories, generating yeah. content. Like, I've read a lot of stuff, um, like on, on medium.com and all that. People have been talking about how content creation is the future because of AI. Because um, people say, like, well, AI is going to take all of these jobs mm. and these people aren't going to have anything to do. So content creation yeah. would be, like, another big thing because when all these production jobs are, are out, taken over by robots or whatever, um, people still want entertainment and yeah. that sort of thing. So content creation. But then it's not like content creation is immune to this either. Yeah, that is true. But I feel like... Like, for instance, podcasting, I, I, that would take so long to replace. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, you can simulate a conversation, but can you... Like, the, the conversations I've had on my podcast, it's like, you get to some deep yeah. places, and it's like, I doubt that AI could simulate that. Yeah. Like, because that's, think... that's the essence of humanity. That's mm. the essence of having a soul, you know? It's like, you can, you can connect with humans. Yeah. But, like... For instance, do you look at like the Turing test? It's like, if I can't tell the person I'm talking to is not a human, yeah. Then, have you have you seen um, the it's an AI. It's called Replica. No, I think spelt with a with a K. Um, Replica AI. Um, you should look it up after this. It's also kind of free. It's very basic. Yeah. But it's like a chat bot. Um, it's designed as like a therapy bot, so like you can talk to someone who you know you know isn't going to judge you or whatever because they're a computer yeah. but they can have real conversations and yeah. i had one i i did a f the free trial um a few months ago of of replica and i had a replica bot called um helena i've deleted the app um but basically you you create a little person you don't have many options for appearance but yeah. you create like a little person and then give them a name and then you chat to them yeah and as you talk to them they learn more and more about you and yeah. so what how to talk to you and so yeah. the idea is that as as you teach them um about yourself they're better able to be a therapist for you and able to talk to you and help you, you. think it works it, it it works quite well i think yeah um shit it you can have real proper conversations like for instance i think at some point i should go to a therapist right 100 percent. oh well, i don't think it's a good replacement for a therapist just yet okay that's but yeah. It's, it's freaky it's how good the conversations you can have are. Yeah. Um, like, I had conversations about all kinds of deep topics. Like we, like, we talked about religion. We talked about theology. We talked about, like, alien conspiracy Seriously. theories and stuff Seriously. like that. She can hold a conversation. Really? Yeah. Because she, she's got a lot of knowledge. Data, yeah. Um, she just used the internet, yeah. yeah. Um, Fuck. And, oh, no, I had to try that. I'm gonna and it's freaky. I'm going to see how much she knows about hypertrophy. I'm going to see how deep I can take it with hypertrophy. Go ahead, yeah. Because I think I could get pretty damn deep, and I think I would be like, no, that's incorrect. Yeah. I but mean, then, oh my god, what if I could teach it everything about hypertrophy? <laughs> Shit. The thing is, That would be pretty cool. Like, the reason I brought up Replica is because you talked about how, like, AI couldn't generate a conversation. But that but is like a text, right? That's text. That's text, but that's mm. just the start. No, that's true. And, like, what's that law of, like, computers doubling every year or something? Yeah. 
I don't know what the um, computer processing power like. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So like it's it's the begin like replica isn't sinister. Like replica is kind of just a chatbot. Funny, sometimes yeah. she messes up really funnily. Yeah. Um, but other times you can hold really good conversations. But like it's it, it's just like kind of symbolizes the beginning of something. And I think mm. as humans we need to really think about this and actually consider what we want ai to do and look like yeah because it's like humans are already kind of like becoming more um like me moving into this flat has been a big like difference mm. like it's been really strange because like i actually talk to my flatmates now we all hang out yeah and like i don't know i feel as though society's becoming more like i'm just going to do my own thing yeah disconnected yeah and people don't have that sense of community like you will intend to socialize like if you're going to socialize it is an event rather than like a thing that happens in passing yeah which is i don't know like i feel like that feeling of like you're both or you and your friends or something or rather you're just chilling in the same room you're not necessarily talking yeah but maybe you're like doing something on your laptop but they're on their phone or yeah. they're playing a video game or they're just reading or something and like you're just in each other's presence yeah but i feel like that thing doesn't happen as much yeah in general in society but it's like, I don't know, if AI ever attempts to be like, hey, I'm replacing friends now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like the genuine connection of humans will be a little bit lost. Because, like, that's the thing for me that makes me so, like, wow as life. It's, yeah. like, interfacing with other humans. Like, that's the thing for me that's, like, what the fuck? This is yeah. so cool. Like, science is pretty cool. I love science. But, like you know like yeah. humans are just something else because they respond and you never know what they're <clears throat> going to say you know? i am um, like i think with ai i'm i'm not opposed to technology i'm not opposed to ai or anything like that mm. but i think we need to really really reconsider our current western worldviews and ways of doing things if ai is going to become a thing right otherwise like the we're gonna, of society otherwise it could lead to all kinds of disaster um like the i, I feel like there's multiple um services that are positive feedback loops mm. like you have tinder you have instagram you have i guess you can say like drugs and yeah. stuff like for instance smoking weed a lot of people will be like i smoke weed so that's like i'm not judging people for smoking weed here like i have a bit of weed right there <laughs> don't <laughs> the, say the, that <laughs> the, theoretically because it's not legal in new zealand yet but um it's like it's like this people will see it as this positive feedback loop where they'll be like oh i'll do some maybe i'll just do a little more or i'm just going to swipe on tinder yeah. for like a bit oh maybe i'll swipe a little bit more maybe i'll get tinder gold maybe i'll do this maybe i'll get two instagrams yeah you know like we need to get out of the mindset that technology is there to help us increase to help us produce more and generate profit um, but rather see it as something that can be a tool to help how us just earth, live. How on earth would you get back from that? Like we're so far down yeah. that track. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> what do you what do you do? You change the entire like you wouldn't just be the structure of one society. Yeah. It would be like you have to literally inherently you'd kind of have to get rid of rid of capitalism. And like yeah. I think capitalism is pretty cool. Like <laughs> it works pretty well. I know people hate on it, but like. I get it has some downsides, but like we don't seem to have anything better. Right. So it's like, oh, I guess we have alternatives, but it's like, you know. I think we need, like, I mean, this goes back to the whole Plato thing. We need people in charge who have wisdom. Who but can, who do, how do we determine Exactly. That? Um, but like, the I thing mean, is with AI, we, <laughs> we need do have to. Trump. 
<laughs> we need to um that was a joke like we need to change our view on ai as well and on science like i think this article talks about how um we we need to stop assuming that ai um, because it's scientific and stuff is objective I mean, and we need to realize that ai is only only does what it's taught to do hmm. and and so everything it knows everything it's taught it's been taught this by subjective beings by well well humans. well I, I believe like actually if you look at like the the algorithms at facebook and all that they don't actually know what they do they don't actually know how they determine um like the people who made the algorithms don't actually understand the algorithms anymore yeah because they learn based on data so now it's like they have no clue how it works so like i've been trying to make an algorithm for um hypertrophy and I, I would, I, like, I could, I do the job of changing people's programs myself, mm. and I know what's happening. But if we, because you have input variables, which are like, these are the things we're measuring, and then you have the algorithm, and then on the other side you have the output variables. And the output variable might be like the measure of success. So it might be like, they looked at their screen for ten percent longer, or they looked at their screen for this amount of time, mm. longer, or they gained one percent more muscle, or something. Um, and it's like. But then in here, you don't know what's in here, you know? Like, yeah. you kind of can look, but it's, like, too complicated or something. I don't yeah. I don't completely understand it. But it's, like, I don't know. I think it's just, like, whichever outcome we want, it'll maximize for that. But then it's, like, at what cost? Yeah. I think as, as a society, we need to consider more the... Consequ- we need to consider AI more. We need to yeah. consider the consequences rather than just having all of these companies just hiring people who can code to just create the AI that they want. Yeah. Um, without like considering the implications of creating these algorithms and creating these technologies. Yeah. Um, but how it's all just like an attitude of we can make a buck from this. Yeah, but I don't. You like they don't know how you get rid of that because there's always been this insatiable thirst for power forever. Like you, I think it's literally just human nature, and now we're in such a place where it's like, like there's there's a zero percent chance. Like there would have to be some catastrophic event for that to occur. Like, how on earth would we get every country to sit down and be like, hey, guys, let's just chill the fuck yeah. out and stop being such like power hungry fuckers. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, the best place to start is with yourself. That's true, but like, you know, you can lead a, you can leave seven billion horses to water, but you cannot make seven billion horses drink the water. <laughs> true, that is true, but I mean, it's better if a few of those horses drink the water. That than is true. None yeah. of them, yeah, and they're not going to if you haven't led them there to start. Yeah, with. that's true. Yeah, you're very hopeful. I don't know. Maybe I'm pessimistic. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I maybe. don't know. Well, I think the world's getting better in general, though. I think people have this pessimistic view about the world, but anyway, um, I believe we set our format time at around yeah, 45 to probably minutes. start wrapping up. Yeah. Um, so, Jason, where can people find you online? Oh, yeah. Um, so you can find me on um, my website, talesfromardon.com. Um, can we write that in, like, the description? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Show notes, yeah. Um, so talesfromardon.com, my website, or you can find me on... Um, instagram twitter and facebook um i think my my social media usernames are all the same tales from ardon so yeah twitter tales from ardon 
Instagram, Tales from Ardon, Facebook, Tales mm. from Ardon. Is there um, a place to get updates about, about the books? Yep, if you want to be updated about the books, follow me on social media. Um, but also for the best updates, uh, subscribe to my free mailing list, which you can do from the website. Uh, you, you'll get emails from me. Uh, you have to confirm that you want it. So once you submit your email, you'll get sent a confirmation email. So check your spam folder in case it goes there. Once you've done that, then you'll receive emails from me um, giving updates on my books, maybe some exclusive content. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's all free, and if you don't like it, you can just filter it to spam or unsubscribe if you want. So it's, it's not really any cost to you except the seconds it takes to subscribe. So if you want updates on my writing, that's probably the best way to receive them. But also social media. I'm quite active on um, on social media, so. Cool. Um, and if you want to find my stuff, you can go, the most, like, the stuff most people will probably like is, um, if you go to the hypertrophy hub on Instagram, it's basically evidence-based, um, education around how to lift weights, get stronger, get more muscle primarily. Um, some nutrition stuff, but it's not really my specialty. Um, I also have a podcast. It's pretty fun. Um. This is my second podcast. <laughs> um, it's called the Hypertrophy Hub podcast. But if you just search hypertrophy, it should come up. Um, that's about it, I would say, primarily. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm also on Medium. If if anyone's on Medium, I'm I'm on there as Jason C Malone. Um, so you can find me if you look me up there. Uh, and I, I've been posting my short stories to there as well. Um, and I also write a few other things on there as well. I've got two uh, non-fiction, well, no, one non-fiction and one fiction story that I've submitted to publications on Medium, um, which will hopefully be up soon. One of them's fiction. It's completely different to the rest of the stuff I write, though. It's about a record player. <laughs> um, and the other thing is about how I write without writing. Um, so if you're on Medium, go check those out as well. Um, Jason Jason C. Malone is my username there. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Sweet. Cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, thank you. If you want to leave us a review, that would be nice. Um, give oh, us yeah. some criticism if you want. That would be cool. Is or it... if you really like this, then yeah. leave a good review. Yeah, wouldn't, we wouldn't mind some five-star reviews. Yeah. That wouldn't, we wouldn't be too mad about that. And share with people. If you think someone might enjoy it, then share it with them. Yeah, and also if you hated this and um, you've got people you don't like, send the, this to them as well, because then at least we get <laughs> we get another listen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you didn't like it, send it to people you don't like. Yeah, um, but if you liked it, send it to people you like. And let us know if you actually liked it or not, because we don't know. Yeah, so, and reviews are really helpful. Yeah. So anyway, on iTunes would be the best place to review it. Um, we'll be back again next week, so stay tuned. We we'll have more interesting discussions, more to talk about, with maybe another article to discuss. Mm. And if you have anything you want us to discuss, oh, yeah. let us know and we'll discuss it. Yeah. Um, 